0: Uh, a couple of generations ago, <clears throat> we had this nifty little device called a skeleton key. Have any of you ever heard of a skeleton key? Yeah, sure. Mostly the older people, they don't. You know, <clears throat> skeleton key was this coolest thing. It it, um, it was made specifically to open any lock. Now, locks back in those, you know, like a couple generations ago when I was a kid, Uh, They were kind of primitive, so it was easier, and they opened about 80% of the locks, and we thought we were all that. We thought we were the bee's knees, you know, if we had a skeleton key. We could get into any room, any door, and of course, today, I don't think there is such a thing as a skeleton key because locks have gotten so sophisticated, and locksmiths have to stay three steps ahead of everyone, but I want to give you a skeleton key today a spiritual skeleton key that will open almost every question, every lock that you have about your relationship with God. Now, this, cost, this key cost me a lot. It cost me decades and decades of growth with Jesus, walking with him on a daily basis. <clears throat> and after maybe three decades, it all made sense to me. And what this skeleton key is called is the God loop. God loop. You won't find it anywhere. It's not in any theological book. It's not in the dictionary. You can't Google it. You can Google it if you want, but I doubt anything's going to come up when you Google it. And <clears throat> But you know what a loop is. Pastor Brad maybe twice a month talks about a loop on the discipleship loop. Okay, the discipleship loop is that first you start growing. It's like a baseball diamond. You start at first base or you start at home and you go to first base, you start growing as a disciple. And then second base is you start to connect with other people in relationships. And then third base is you start to serve. And then fourth base is you're a witness or home. You're a witness to the world. And when we're a witness to the world, other people come to know Christ and they start at first base. They start learning what it is to be a disciple. And so the idea is that it, it moves around like this. That's what a loop does. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, those of you that, watch, that, that are online, <coughs> you've seen somebody that's taken, a, taken a, sh- a video of somebody laughing or somebody doing something idiotic. And th- if they're really good... <coughs> They loop it, so you can't tell. It looks like they're doing it for, forever. It keeps going on and on and on. And then I've discovered, if you look very carefully, you can see just when they looped it. Okay, are you with me on this loop thing? Loop goes round and round and round and round and round. Okay, <clears throat> the God loop works in exactly the same way. And we're going to start in the book of Luke, chapter 6. This comes at the end of quite a long uh, teaching <clears throat> that Jesus does. And we have five mini loops that he talks about here. Boom, 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 bullet points. Okay, you know what bullet points are. They're just just uh, almost not even complete sentences. And he's going to give us loops about five different things. We're going to go through these five just quickly. <coughs> Excuse me. And you'll get an idea of what this God loop is. Okay, the first one is on mercy. And do we have the uh, up there on the board, something like that? Okay, first one in these five bullet loops, Jesus says, be merciful and your father, or be merciful as your father is merciful. In other words, here's the loop. God starts out by pouring his mercy on us, which is undeserved favor. Okay, he cancels our debt. He does, mercy is not holding a wrong against someone. And that's what God does with us. He pours his mercy out on us, and he expects us in return to pour our mercy that we've received from him out on somebody else. That's the loop. And then he keeps giving us more mercy, and then we pass it on. It goes like this. Now, as soon as we stop giving away his mercy, boom, the loop is broken. And God can't continue to pour his mercy into someone who's not doing anything with it. That's bullet number one. Bullet number two, judging. Judge not, and you will not be judged. In other words, God does not judge us. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge us. He came in the world to to save us, to give His mercy and grace. He does not judge us for our sins. Which is, you know, when I, when I was worshiping this morning on the back there, oftentimes I can't stand up and hold up my hands and, 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 and cheer and clap. And I just have to... <clears throat> uh, if I had good knees, I'd be down on my knees and I'd be melted before the throne of God. That he has not held my sins against me. He doesn't judge me. And that, that transforms who I am as a person it frees me up and that freedom allows me to pass that lack of judgment on to others there are others who have wounded me deeply and i am free to pass on that non-judgment of god to them it's a loop okay now if god when god pours out his lack of judgment in other words, his kindness and his forgiveness upon us. If we do not pass that on, the loop is broken. Loops are made that way. Anytime we want, we can stick a, a stick in the spoke and boom, the wheel doesn't turn anymore. And then he starts to judge us. That's the judgment loop. Now, that's the next bullet. Next bullet is on condemnation. We all know John three sixteen. We don't know what comes next in John 3.17, but it says that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world. This is the non-condemnation loop. Jesus said, my heavenly father does not condemn you. I do not condemn you. The woman caught in adultery. After all her accusers were gone, he says, where are your accusers? So they aren't here. He says, well, I do not condemn you either. He doesn't condemn us for our sin. However, there's a price to be paid. He paid the price, but there's a price for us. And that is we pass that non-condemnation on to others. You see the loop is there. He doesn't condemn us. We don't condemn others. Now, if we start to condemn other people for what they're doing, we are cooked. You need to be convicted of that. You need to be cut to the heart. And changing that attitude does not happen like turning on a light switch. It takes a long time, hard work. Bullet point. Next bullet point, and this is huge. I'm going to hover here. Uh, if I had two sermons today, which I don't, I would I would spend the first one on this one. It's about forgiveness. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. We, the forgiveness is the core of the gospel. We read, and this gospel of the forgiveness of sins shall be shared with the earth, and then the end will come. In other words, he could have the gospel could have been described any other way, but it's described as the gospel of forgiveness. This is why we rejoice. This is why in that. Uh, what was the name of that, I don't know, one of the songs we sang about All Hail King Jesus. I wish I could have taken, taken. Uh, uh, Pastor Pratt has invited us, uh, well, the staff and the leaders and the elders, to come up and interrupt anytime we feel the Spirit of God is upon us. And I'm hesitant to do that, but I would have come up and said, hey, let me read to you this passage from Revelation about how on that day when, the Lamb of God will sit on his throne and all the nations will come and the angels will be gathered and they will all, bawl, all all fall down before him and they will sing out all hail King Jesus. And the Lamb will be there and we will see that he was slain. The marks will still be there. And our hearts will melt yeah, there'll be some jumping up and down and loud praise like we have here, but there'll also be some falling on our faces and melting before him. And it will, because, will be because he gave up his life for us and he forgives us. Now, I find it very telling and very heavy that when Jesus, when the disciples, the 12 asked, said, they said, Jesus, teach us to Pray. So he gave him the Lord's Prayer. We're all familiar with that. But then he made a commentary. He gave a commentary at the end of the Lord's Prayer. We never go over it. And do we have that text up there or up there? <clears throat> Jesus said, Is at the end of the Lord's Prayer. No, it's not that one, it's the next one. Anyway, he says, at the end of the Lord's Prayer, if you forgive your neighbor, my heavenly father will forgive you. That's the loop. Okay, now he also says, if you break the loop, if you do not forgive your brother their trespasses, neither will my heavenly father forgive you. You probably haven't heard that. Once we stop passing on the forgiveness of God, the flow, the tap is shut off. This is a frightful thing. I'm guessing the a third of us here. Harbor a lack of forgiveness for somebody in our life. Somebody has wounded us deeply, and we just can't let go of it. We can't forgive them. You've broken the loop. God's forgiveness is full and free, and he passes it on to us. And as long as we pass it on to others, it keeps flowing. It's a God loop. But when we refuse to pass that on, we've broken the loop. This isn't my idea. It's just right there. It's Jesus. He says, when you don't forgive your brother, my heavenly father will not forgive you. This is, if we're hard, we should be petrified by this. I've been wounded and hurt deeply by many people in my life. So I've had to work at this. And once the wound's in there, I know what says in Matthew chapter six, the end of the Lord's prayer. I know I have to forgive that guy that just stuck a knife in my back. I've actually, actually, I'm never gonna take my shirt off here, but I've got some blades. You can see them, they're stuck in the back where I can't get them out, where people stab me in the back. And I've had to pray and pray and pray for years that God would give me a spirit of forgiveness. And he has, not right away, the wound is so deep. And I feel it once in a while, I move around my back, I can feel the knives are still in there. But this is the God loop, okay? He forgives us and he expects us to pass it on. Not my idea, this is Jesus. This is the king of kings. Whom we will stand before. We need to have a clean slate. We can't enter his presence harboring grudges. we got to clear all those out. And only he can help us do it. Now that's not the message for today. The message is the next bullet point. The fifth one. Where he says this. Give and it shall be given to you. In good measure. Shaken together. Pressed down and overflowing in your life. I remember as a kid, we'd eat cornflakes. I'm sure my mom didn't get Kellogg's. I'm sure she was so t- I'm sure she got generics. Okay? We, we didn't know the difference. <clears throat> you know? There is a difference, I can tell now, but back then I couldn't tell. We got these generics, and printed in very fine print in the top of the box says, Some. Settling will occur during distribution or something. You know, the box goes from, from from the generic plant where they made them and to the to the distributor and to the store and then into our. So by the time you open the box, it wasn't full anymore. It had been, you know what I'm talking about? It'd been shaken down. This is the blessing that God has promised to give us if we give. It's the giving loop. He gives to us, and we pass on what he has given to us. And then he pours even more. Not just the same amount, but a good measure, a greater measure, shaken together, pressed down, and we could spend half an hour talking about what it would look like. I mean, just imagine, God's blessing overflowing in your lap. I've been a, a father and a grandfather, and I've, you know, bounced a lot of kids on my knees, so I've had a bunch of undesirable stuff overflow into my lap, <laughs> okay? <clears throat> but <clears throat> to have good stuff overflowing in your little, you got so much stuff you can't handle it. This is the giving loop. Now, Pastor Brad, maybe twice a month, he talks about this precise thing, this giving loop. On Sunday morning he mentioned it actually no he talks about it every Sunday but he forgot to give it because he was distracted this morning but he talks about you know you can give online and you can give in the drop boxes and 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 whatnot and then he says we every person should be should be giving cheerfully and generously and sacrificially and Consistently, see, Pastor, Pastor Brad's done such a great job at this, okay? And this is a mature person who understands the giving loop, the God loop here. God has done all, is given sacrificially to us, and we return, but it doesn't describe a lot of us. It didn't describe me when I first came to faith 50 years ago. I painted houses for a living through college, through seminary, and I worked for myself. I made a lot of money back then. I made $100 a day, but I worked, you know, 16, 14 hours a day, and when I first encountered about age 20 or 21, this concept of giving, in the scripture, I hated it. Now I loved, I, I, I liked learning about love and forgiveness and judgment. I, I hadn't achieved those or, or they weren't part of my, who I was, but I wanted it. I didn't want this giving thing. God loves a cheerful giver. I was not a giver. To absolutely think about cheerfully, this was my money. If I got a check at the end of two weeks for $1,000 for a job I had done, I put it in the bank. Now, giving, I, I thats my—I worked hard on that. I spent 14 hours a day on the ladder carrying these 40-footers around. It was just, it had pain all over. And to think that I'm just gonna freely give that away, you gotta be kidding me. <clears throat> but God loves a cheerful giver. I couldn't do it. My guess is that some of us here can't give. There's no condemnation. I'm with you in this. I'm walking with you. I couldn't give cheerfully, generously, sacrificially, or faithfully. It was mine. I'll give my time, I'll give my abilities, but my money, that's mine. Couldn't let go. My hands were, first time I wrote a check, for 10%, I don't know what the check was for. It was a, actually, it was before I wrote a check, I had a 10, you know, because I didn't have a checkbook. You know, checks are, checkbooks are rather new inventions and they don't even use them anymore, they're outlived. But the first time I dropped a 10 in the offering plate, it was, my, my hand was frozen, my arm. You know, I couldn't let go of the 10. The plate was coming, I had the 10 out, and, and the, I, I, I almost it almost left before I could drop it in. <laughs> I couldn't give cheerfully. I couldn't give generously. But over the decades, God has changed my heart because of this God loop. I began to see every day. Look at all the look at all the incredible stuff that God has poured into my into my life, and I can't even let go of a ten dollar bill. Now. My situation then was not much different than the situation in Israel most of the time. We're gonna read, read, I'm gonna to read to you a passage from Haggai. And this is repeated over and over and over again to the prophets. The, the people of Israel and the people of Israel is the northern kingdom, ten tribes. Judah is the southern kingdom of two tribes, Benjamin and Judah. Okay? And they were almost never, except under David and Solomon, prosperous. And so when they were in, in unbelievable straits, they were in big trouble, God sent him a prophet. He sent him Haggai to straighten him out. And this is what Haggai says. He says, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages puts them in a bag with holes. In other words, you're really working hard, but there's no payoff. There's no loop. You have broken the loop for generations and been unfaithful to me. And then the final word on this, the final word we have pretty much in the Old Testament. Malachi's the last book. And this is really the last correction that God gives to his people. I want to read to you from Malachi chapter 7. Do we have this? Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider how you have fared. In other words, think about your current situation. Next verse. Will a man rob God? Where's this coming from? This is the only place it's spoken of in all of Scripture. Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how are we robbing you? And it's about the loop. You're robbing me in your tithes and in your offerings. You're not bringing them in anymore. The next verse he says, you have looked for much, and lo, it came to little. Little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? God says, because the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While you busy yourself, each one with your own house. In other words, they were all focused on their life. They weren't focused on God. There was no, they didn't even think about a loop. They weren't giving anything. Next next passage. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes, and have not kept them. In other words, they weren't fulfilling their part of the loop. Return to me, and I will return to you. There's the loop, okay? Seek me, and you will find me. Ask, and it shall be given. Knock, and it shall be opened. Jesus just repeats this. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. They were still clueless. They, what do you mean, return to me? What are you talking about? And then he lays this on them. Next, next uh Next piece. Will a man rob, steal from God? That you were stealing from me. But you say, how are we robbing you? And here he lays it out. He turns over to the final card. He says, in your tithes and in your offerings. You are cursed. This is the giving loop, the God loop. And you are cursed with a curse of for you are robbing me, the entire nation, of you. Because they weren't giving back to God. The next verse. <clears throat> Bring the full tithes into the storehouses, that there may be food in my house. Put me first in your giving, and thereby put me to the test. This, I love this. We are told numerous times in the scripture not to test God. Okay? Jesus is being tempted by Satan in the wilderness after he's fasted for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry. Satan says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself off this cliff. And it's written, the angels of God will bear you up lest you dash your foot on a rock. And Jesus looks directly at the devil and says, it is written, you shall not test. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But here, it's the only place in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. Get this giving loop back online. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down upon you an overflowing blessing. Test me. Now, for those of us, as myself, for decades, who are not at the place where we could give cheerfully and generously. Okay, there's something about money. The scripture says, Jesus says you cannot love God and money. You can love clothes and God. You can love fancy cars and God. You can love pretty things and God, and fortunately, of course he didn't have this back then, but you can love motorcycles, which I do, and God, all oh, that's okay, but you cannot love God and money. Money has its way of of seeping into a man's soul. This concept made America <clears throat> what it is today. The gold rush. Of California in 1850, there were no white people west of the Mississippi before 1850, except Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> See, only the old people know who he was. <laughs> he was a mountain man. 1850, gold. Whoosh, we populated the whole western part of the country. 19 or 1875, South Dakota. The Dakotas where gold was discovered. That was sacred ground to the Indians. They had been promised the Dakotas in treaty after treaty. It didn't matter. We found gold there. Whoosh, all the treaties went out the window. Gold is a way of twisting us. Nineteen hundred, the Alaskan gold gold rush. Whoosh, the love of money. God said, "You're robbing me." You want to get back on track you want those windows of heaven to be opened, bring the full tithe in to the storehouse. Now, in our case, we don't have a storehouse, we have a church. That's the storehouse. Now, I couldn't do this when I first started out. It was just, it was tough enough for a $10 bill, but if I had gotten a check for $1,000 for a House, that was $100. Oh. Money had wrapped itself around my soul. And just because I gained my life for Jesus, money, that, 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 that didn't depart. I couldn't give cheerfully or generously but I could give obediently. You don't have to like it. You can give obediently and not like it. And so I started tithing obediently. It killed me every week. Not just that once on Sunday or or once twice a month, if I got a paycheck twice a month. It killed me everything in between. I I can't believe I gave away $100 to the church. Ah! You can give obediently. That's where you start. Obediently. Now many of you are way past that and you do the generously and, 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 and the, the cheerfully and that's advanced God loop in the area of money. But some of us here are not that far along. I was not that far along for oh, 25 years into my Christian faith. It was obediently gritting my teeth and, and clenching my fists and however I began to notice that this promise give and it shall be given to you that's the loop in good measure pressed down shaken together and overflowing into your lap and I begin to see that worked out I wasn't cheerful and generous yet but I was obedient my giving and I began to see oh my goodness now by the way when you give 20 bucks this is not a promise that says I'll give you 30 bucks back <laughs> there's a lot of ministries that, are, that tell you that they're, they're, it's a lie I didn't get no 30 bucks back for every 20 I put in I didn't even get 10, back, 10 bucks back but he began to pour into my life things, blessings that I never thought were possible. Which I just can't tell you with tears in my eyes. And just it, every day I'm so grateful. I didn't have that, have that attitude of gratitude 40 years ago, when I was clutching onto my money and giving obediently. But that started something that transformed my life. And want you to know it can transform your life. You bring, you stop robbing God. You bring the whole tithe, full tithe, 10% before taxes, into the storehouse. It's not like God, it's not like North Point needs your money. Pastor Brad never asks for money. I'm not asking for money. I'm I'm giving an invitation to you to get this giving loop moving in your life. Some of you, the giving loop is lubricated and it's flowing and there's generosity and there's cheerfulness. Some of us haven't gotten that far. Some of us are where I was. And so the invitation is to start, is to move this, this, this giving loop through obedience You bring the full tithe in. Do you give in other places? Absolutely. You've got the friends that are on the mission field, give to them. You've got a brother-in-law who's who just went bankrupt. You give to him. Above and beyond the full tithe that you bring into the storehouse. This is not. North Point doesn't need everybody to tithe. It's not like we're poor. But what North Point does is it, 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 it's North Point functions on the same loop principle. They are given through our offerings, and they give out. We don't have enough. I, I keep telling Pastor Brad we need more videos about the way North Point gives. One Sunday about a year ago, there were, we gave a car to this gal who didn't have a car. We another Sunday we heard about we we gave like five hundred dollars worth of groceries to a gal who just some disaster just happened to her life, and this kind of stuff happens all the time. Just we don't we need to hear about it more. But as you give to North Point, North Point becomes the distributor on your behalf and in God's name for the blessings that have come in. Are you with me here? I know. Every single one of us is in a different place. So it's hard to speak into everyone's heart. But wherever you are on this giving loop, I want to encourage you to keep going. God will not not be outgiven. No one can give too much because he will pour it back into your life and... Nothing will ever be the same.